When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, for, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us, and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, if you haven't already. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, I love how last week we were like, Best episode yet. And then it was just deuces for the rest of the week. Obviously, we were on a bye, but how are we feeling? Uh, I take bye weeks as well. Why do I have to work if they're not doing anything? <laughs> Mahomes took the week off. He was dressed up as a star for Halloween. I'm, I'm not obligated. I also took Halloween off, so we're good to go. Uh, you know, you guys know that yesterday was the anniversary of Jerry Seinfeld going on uh, the Larry King show and Larry King accusing him of getting pushed off the network and he said no i left on top that's what we did guys we left on top we left some gas in the tank and now we're ready to go lots to get to this week we've got a big game coming up this weekend coming off that bye but first things first the trade deadline recap as far as the chiefs go we made the last deal of the deadline um trading cornerback rashad fenton to the falcons for a conditional seventh round pick that clears up 1.4 million in cap space along with wide receiver Kadarius tony from the giants for a pair of draft picks as we know that happened last week. Guys, what do we think about these? Well, I mean, I don't care that Fenton's gone. It, I, and I don't think it's an accident that like the ninth person to report it was still reporting that it was $1.4 million in cap savings. That money means something to them either this year, I don't know, Odell or next year. But that's Save it. Save with your chest, Cody. Don't just Odell, hint- that's what they're saving the money <laughs> for. I don't know if it's that, but come on, let's face the reality. They had already fully committed to the young corners. They walked on every single veteran available in training camp. So they are all aboard the Sneed, Jalen Watson, McDuffie, and Williams training. We can say, wow, a conditional seventh. They really gave him away for nothing. They drafted their current starting cornerback in the seventh in Jalen Watson. So they might be able to find something out of there either way. They're not deep at corner. I think it comes with some serious risk if even a single injury is to occur, which has already happened this year, obviously with McDuffie, but they're trusting their young corners. They have decided that that is the better grouping and that's what they're going to roll with. Is it really much of a risk to trade a guy who was about to become your fifth cornerback? Nobody, nobody liked to see Rashad Fenton on the field, including the Chiefs, who were playing a fourth and seventh round rookie over him. Even if you suffer an injury, is Rashad Fenton any sort of upgrade over practice squad player or free agent that you sign off the street? No, he's not. But he's, I mean, I don't know. He's a little bit better than that. But I'll tell you right now, if you're losing your job to a fourth round rookie who the Chiefs didn't even want to start, a seventh round rookie, um, a first round rookie, okay, cool, that's fine. That is a wild secondary for an established Super Bowl contending team, though, right? If I on paper said the Super Bowl contending Chiefs who are one of the three best teams and one of only three teams I currently think can win the Super Bowl are rolling out 
three rookie corners. That's a bit scary. Also, if they find three rookie starting corners out of the first four, maybe Brett Veach is the greatest cornerback scout of all time because people have a hard time getting one corner. It's an important position. And they're willing to let Fenton go, who they only spent a sixth on anyway, right? Like they got some stuff out of there. They did their thing. But Nick, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it because I didn't think Fenton was going to play a ton, but I, I'm not going to pretend like there's no risk with it. All right. Enough. Enough with the Rashad Fenton talk. We've, 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 done, our, we've done our due diligence there. Um, you hinted at it, Cody. I think we're burying the lead here. Are you guys, can you guys just, can you imagine with me for just a moment that now, after clearing up some some cap space, the Chiefs now have <laughs> $4.8 million. God, that mm. just feels like what Odell mm. would be paid, doesn't it? Doesn't that feel like the exact amount of money it would take to get Odell Beckham Jr. in a uniform? Like right after Thanksgiving, right? It's a Friday. There's no Black Friday football. You're just sitting on your couch. You just got done watching it, eating leftovers, and Odell to the Chiefs. And when it- did this trade happen, guys? When did this trade happen? At the 11th hour, it was the last trade made of the deadline, which tells you what? That the Chiefs spent all week trying to unload cash. I don't think for a second they considered what Rashad Fenton brings to them because I think they spent all week wondering what Odell Beckham Jr. might look like in red and gold. I'm already excited. Early Christmas present. That would be great. Well, here's the thing. It has to be for something this year. Or Indomitian Sue. You want to bring him up? Fine. Bring up Indomitian. Because there, there is no damn way you cut a depth corner, even if we think they're the fifth corner, Nick, to save a million bucks. Not for next year. No one gives a shit about a million dollars next year. That doesn't mean anything to the Chiefs. That <laughs> absolutely, objectively means nothing. That's not going to save them anything. This has to be about this year. They're making some kind of move. I don't know if it's Sue or some other free agent defensive end who's sitting around or some other free agent tackle who's sitting around or Odell Beckham Jr., which would certainly be the most interesting of all the moves. But if you're willing to risk starting three rookie corners and having no backup plan for it, then I would say that, you know, you're willing to take those chances. Brett Veach is up to something, that's for sure. And I love how this trade, at the like you said, last second of the deadline, kind of flying under the radar, but... Clearly, they're up to something. Well, and they were never going to re-sign Fenton anyway. You know, like he wasn't a part of their long-term plan. They had three rookie corners they liked, and he was on the final year of his deal after being drafted in the fourth round. Wasn't, you know, wasn't going to change anything. Nothing was moving the needle one way or the other. It's fine, Kayla. I mean, it's the, I I can't get over the fact that every single person who broke the news clearly got it from the same source because the language was exactly the same. That person's probably Brett Veach. They all said clears up $1.4 million of cap space. Not an accident, right? Just absolutely, objectively not an accident. They keep saying those things because they want somebody else around. Now, I think it's funny that all we asked them to do at the trade deadline was, hey, do you guys you guys mind maybe finding a rotational defensive lineman? And instead, all they did was trade away a defensive player. They signed a wide receiver, something they're already objectively great at, offense, and they got rid of one defensive player. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm good with it. I don't care. Works for me, I guess. Um, what other trades would, that went down that you think will directly affect the Chiefs? Oh, Nick, I th- look, uh, I'd like to say Naheem Hines because the Bills are obviously the most interesting team from a who could be a problem for the Chiefs perspective. 
don't know, man. It's a Naheem Hines and some other safety they draft. Like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Why you bite your tongue? What, what, why is Naheem Hines out here catching strays? What the hell's he done this year? What's he ever done? Catch a few passes occasionally? Okay, that is... He's got like 500 total rushing yards in his career. So rude. What do you do to you? He's a great pass-catching running back. Go ahead, though. Go off. Who else do you want to throw under the bus? What do you mean? Do you really want to say great pass-catching running back? You feel strong about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, among... He's had 60 catches a couple of times, I guess. Among pass <laughs> running backs i'd say he is one of the most prolific prolific that's too strong okay it's not heinz it's a marginal improvement okay all right if they're improved it's like wow i'm really glad that you had that 91 percent, and now you're at 91.1 great job a plus for effort job is the more interesting one it makes them good it makes the dolphins better in the long term which means they can compete with the bills in the long term which matters Somebody else in that division mattering is important because they said they're going to sign him to a long-term deal and it makes him instantly better. Now they took all that draft. The, the, the Dolphins front office has done an objectively good job. They took picks from the 49ers in a trade up that they made for Trey Lance. And what they did with those picks were get Bradley Chubb and get Tyreek Hill. That was, I mean, that that's, that's a big deal. Their pass rush is better. The defense was the weakest part. They have two of the top three leading receivers right now in the NFL. The Chubb deal, that's the one that matters. You know, I, I tend to come from the same school of thought that you do, that running backs don't necessarily matter all that much, as much as scheme and everything else you're doing offensively, though. The one thing I think is interesting about Hines, I don't think it significantly impacts the Bills' ceiling or makes them of an objectively better team, but Devin Singletary is second on the Bills in receptions this year. Second. And he's not somebody who we think of as being a prolific, Cody, prolific pass catching <laughs> running back. That's all Hines does. That's all, that's all he does. That's all Hines has ever done in his NFL career. He doesn't run the ball. And the Bills now, who are one of the most dynamic offenses, have another weapon they can put out there. And it's not going to, again, it's not going to significantly impact them. But now you can run these little two running back sets. I think it's interesting that both the Bills and the Chiefs, and I know we'll get into the Tony move a little bit, both the Bills and the Chiefs added pieces that you look at and you say, I don't think these guys are that good, but clearly they're just trying to expand what their offense is capable of, even if it's in a very marginal way. Uh, maybe this is copycat stuff, Kayla. We always joke about that in the league. The Bills have been watching what the Chiefs use Jarek McKinnon for, and they're like, yeah, that. Let's do that. That looks fun. Because that's kind of what it looks like they signed Hines for, right? To just be what Jarek McKinnon is in the Chiefs offense? Good, good point. Um, and circling back to the Chiefs, you guys, aside from Fitton and Tony, Chiefs kind of stood pat at the trade deadline for the most part. Obviously, as we know, we traded for Kadarius Tony last week. How much will they use him this year? What does it tell us about how they feel about this offense? I mean, obviously, I still think the Tony deal was more about next year than this year hmm. but i but i don't think that that means he won't have some impact for this team because i think they're going to try to find some way to use him but i think a lot of it like they must have a lot more faith in their defense because that's their most obvious deficiencies defensive line and look whatever you're going to have to pay to get a defensive lineman is so expensive that I don't think that it's going to be super easy to improve there. 
But pretty much right now, the only way the defensive line gets better is what? Karloftis is better? Anybody else have another solution? That sounds good. (laughs) Does what he did in the fourth quarter versus San Francisco in every quarter the rest of the season. Okay, well, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. Possibilities. I gave you one. It seems more likely to me that uh, Karloftis could just be better, but I don't know that you're banking on either. Look, Finn had fallen behind every rookie, so it doesn't really matter. But from a trade deadline perspective, if they had done nothing, I guess I was fine because they didn't. They truthfully didn't. They weren't like so desperate. They had to do something. They're the number one. They have the second best record in the NFL. They have the number one offense in the NFL, and they're playing good enough defense that they're still winning a lot of games. And they were on the field with the Bills a couple weeks ago and were competitive. So, I, you know, like they could have just as easily won that game as they did lose it. It was whoever had the ball last. I th- mostly I know that the Chiefs technically had a minute, but whoever the ball last with a significant amount of time that shows the deciding factor. So, yeah, I mean, if the Chiefs are going to stand pat on this one, I, I think it'd be awfully hard to be critical of them. The Tony deal is still kind of funny because. I didn't see it coming and I'm like, wait, do you need that? <laughs> but also the NFL might have told us a little something with the Ridley deal. The reason why that Ridley deal a little bit kind of makes sense is. The NFL sees the free agent wide receiver class, which is garbage. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the best free agent wide receiver by a large margin. And they see what it costs. Then if you want a really great wide receiver, you get to draft in the first round like everyone. So if it's not those two things, then your best bet is find a young wide receiver, hope that you can make them good for you, and they'll be cheap for a few years for much less draft pick compensation. I think that's what's happening. I think that's what happened with Tony. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes... The way that we talk about this, especially around the trade deadline, I think maybe on the outside, we see margins between teams that guys on the inside, Brett Feach, Andy Reid, don't see. And we watch the Bills look like a dominant football team and say, oh, that's the team you're keeping up with. So go get a pass rusher. Go get another weapon to use. And the Chiefs are saying, I don't know. We came into this season thinking that we had a Super Bowl roster and through seven weeks, our outlook on our roster has not changed. Yeah, we lost to the Bills, but I don't think that was a game that the Chiefs came away from saying we couldn't win again. Or if it were played nine times, we couldn't win five times. You know, if, if a guy like Brian Burns were available, I'm sure the Chiefs would have been very interested in it. But as it turns out, the Panthers, like most teams, even when going through a rebuild, uh, prefer to keep young, talented, cheap players who would be, you know, uh, helpful when trying to get back to your winning ways. So those guys aren't out there. Teams aren't just looking to trade pro bowlers and all pro level players. So a lot of the guys you're seeing being dealt, like Bradley Chubb is probably the biggest name that was that was traded away. Yeah. And it's not as though Bradley, Bradley Chubb's not Von Miller. Bradley Chubb is not, TJ Watt, he's a nice pass rusher, but he's not someone who all of a sudden takes the Dolphins to the next level. The Dolphins are chasing. Chiefs are not. Chiefs came into the season knowing exactly who they were, and I don't think anything sort of moved them in the direction that made them think they needed to make some sort of rash decision and and make a big splash. Hey, well, you're the optimist. Do you think Darius (laughs) Toney will matter for the offense this year? Do you think he'll have more than 200 receiving yards? Yes. Obviously, I'm the optimist. I have to say that I am. I'm excited to see how he's going to fit into this offense and where he's going to 
land in, you know, the depth chart and and who he's going to be competing with for reps. Um, I think, I think he's going to do well. Like I said, I said the same thing with Juju. I said, when you have a good player and you throw him in this offense with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, anything can happen. And I think the same thing can happen here with Tony. I think that there's definitely like, there's easy to be like, there's upside, crazy upside. He looked like a good rookie wide receiver for a miserably bad offense. And then he just wasn't on the field. But a lot of it is just like, it's upside because we haven't seen it. But I also, and we talked about this a little bit when the, when the news first came out about it, but I cannot reference or find a single example of a first round pick being traded in his first two years to a new team. And then it just being gangbusters wherever he went. Like that trade doesn't exist. It is not a real thing. It is a figment of our imagination. We're making it up if we think that it exists. But because you can put caveats and everything, it's easy because, you know, the Giants GM and coach didn't draft him or coach him before. So they mm-hmm. had no ties to him. And I don't think they knew how to use him well either. Um, but yeah, like you could, like you said, Cody, it wasn't on my radar either. So, but now that he's here, let's go have some fun. Which brings me to, do you guys think the Chiefs will be a better team after the bye than we saw through the first eight weeks? I think there's almost no way they won't be. So I'm, I'm very confident. Look, I get to be the optimist now. Um, <laughs> I occasionally get called a bit of a pessimist or negative about the team. <laughs> I think 100% chance they will be a better team in the second half of this season because if, if they've already figured out their offense, then they're just going to stay great. So problem solved there. If there's more growth in the offense, my God. And I'm confident the defense is going to get better. Bags has been this defensive coordinator for four years. In every single year after week seven or eight, every single year, they are better. They get more sacks. They give up less points. They give up less yards. They win more. I mean, it's fairly simple. They play better under Spags. And while I'm not trying to just excuse her right away, oh, no big deal. Uh, I'll just give him a pass because they stink all the time. No, they're just better in the second half. And this time he has the excuse of starting three rookie corners, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, and a young secondary outside of because like the safeties aren't super experienced. Thornhill's still on his first contract. Justin Reed's barely on his second. Young linebackers. So there's a good reason to assume that this year, even more so than other, young players will come around. I'm 100% confident they're going to be a better team and harder to beat the rest of the way. To me, it's less about do I think the team will be better? Listen, the offense can be exactly the same as it has been. And I think I'll take that because I'm looking at them now. Oh, after taking a week off, they are still number one in the NFL in points scored. So I, I don't really care if the offense gets better as for the defense. I'm maybe not as optimistic as you are, Cody. I'm looking at this schedule and it's not exactly murderers row. Not exactly a lineup of opponents that I'm necessarily scared of. The Titans might be the top, one of the top two or three teams that you play the rest of the way. The Jaguars were a cute story at first. They don't look that impressive. The Chargers and the Rams, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Texans, all of these teams are dealing with issues to where if there was ever a slate of games for these rookie cornerbacks to get right against, I feel like you've you've got a pretty nice sort of uh, opportunity to do that here over the next couple of months, because I don't see a lot of wide receivers and high flying offenses that I'm nervous about. Unlike what I would have said 
the first six weeks of the season, which I know we talked a lot about at the time. And looking back on it, I'm not sure if they exactly passed the test, so to speak, but you come away with it with just two losses, which we all would have taken before the season. Except Kayla, who said they were only going to lose one game. In the first, but, but but other than Stupid that. Stupid Colts game. I will never get over it. Ugh. It still doesn't make sense. You're going to be scratching your head from uh, five years from now, Kayla. You're going to be like, <laughs> the hell did they lose that Colts team? They got Sam Ellinger starting now. They just fired their offensive coordinator. They suck. They're so and, bad. And they, and they traded Naheem Hines, which is the ultimate white flag. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, I mean, future Hall of Famer, Naheem Hines, based on the way. Bills fans will eventually be talking about him, at least on that end. I don't, I mean, Kayla, I just think it seems fairly obvious that this team, more than a lot of others, has growth potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, no offense, but when it was last year and their defense stunk and they played a little bit better, we knew that they still had huge problems and weren't going to like solve them all. They were slow and old. Like, hope comes in the you don't know what they're doing. So to me, that seems fairly obvious. We're all aligned on that. Yes. All right. Uh, It is time now, fellas, for our favorite segment around here. I don't know about favorite, but Wednesday reoccurring segment. Nick, we need some music for this. What kind of, what kind of, what do you want? What do you, what's a good vibey soundtrack? Uh, Mm -hmm. Something you would listen to in the club, right? I mean, we want something like upbeat. Oh, something with like, like a like game insta, show. Insta, insta, insta. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> I, I, you guys I, are on completely <laughs> different planes right now. So, clubbing. Kayla wants to be on Wheel of Fortune. So I don't know if there's much overlap there. Do you think you could, like, you know, like Modest Yahoo used to like rap and sing Yiddish? Do you think you could find like something that's like the two combined, Nick? Where are we going now? You want Modest Yahoo? That's what, oh my gosh. No, I said like like him, how he combines two forms of music. I'm asking you to also, do that. Actually, also, I agree with Cody. It should be more vibey, clubby. Yeah, for when sure. When's the last time you went clubbing, Cody? So <laughs> the, probably the reason why I think <laughs> forever, the, the reason why I think about this is when I was in Miami for the Chiefs Super Bowl, we went to like one of those like speakeasy ones where you had to like pull a book and then like go behind, you know, like cool. a, a fake bookshelf into it. And the sign above the door said in neon in pink said, bitch, don't kill my vibe. Mm, and yeah. so and they played music like that in there. So it makes me think of that, I guess. <laughs> I have a photo of it. So when we put this up, Nick, you can just like across the screen, you can put a graphic that says, bitch, don't kill my vibe. We can change it instead of vibe check. It can just be bitch, don't kill my vibe. Can hey, we use I'm that sorry. song? Uh, uh, mm, copyright, probably not. I'm assuming um, Kendrick Lamar has a pretty staunch legal team. <laughs> <laughs> he might not like that we call it that. Okay, vibe check it is. I guess we can stick with that. Who wants to go first? I went first last week. Now I want to go clubbing with Cody, though. I'm going to add that to my list of things to do. <laughs> bucket list? A, yeah, bucket list item for sure. Um, I, I'll go first. Vibe check is Brett Veach sitting on a beach with his feet kicked up and smoking a cigar. Everybody else in the NFL trying to make moves at the trade deadline, trying to chase the dolphins know that this is their opportunity. They've got Tyreek Hill to is healthy. Jalen Waddle is looking like an emerging star. All they need to do is figure out the defense. And they even understand, you know, everybody to a man in Miami understands that if they're going to do anything this year, they've still got two big bad wolves in the chiefs and the bills that they're going to have to go through. Meanwhile, all we talked about was what can the Chiefs do? Can they get better at defense? Brett Veach said, you know what? We're going to clear up a little cap space. Maybe it'll give us an outside chance at Odell Beckham Jr. We went out and got uh, Kadarius Tony. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But it was a reclamation project. 
We gave up a fourth round pick essentially to try and get him. Maybe that's a new toy for the Chiefs to play with. And if none of it does happen, we like our team. We're five and two through a gauntlet of a schedule. It's only getting easier from here. Our offense is starting to click. We're not chasing. We'll let everybody else chase. We'll let all these other teams that went out and paid wide receivers mega deals in the offseason or traded for quarterbacks in the offseason. We'll let them continue to try and scramble to put together on the fly a championship roster. We believe we already have one, so we're just going to hang out. Preach. Did I steal yours? Mike drop. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be very boring. And I mean, obviously we had a bye, so... You know, not much has changed on our end. So my vibe check is still the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And there was a tweet that went out today. And of course, I can't find it. I read things and I lose them. And it said, who are your top three teams to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? And literally everyone had Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles. And that's where we're at. Chiefs, Bills, Eagles. And it feels like there's nobody else even that close to knocking on the door of those three teams. No. Like each passing week feels like the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles are separating from the pack more and more. I think for mine, it's I hope this is going to be a data reference, which I make several of because I don't know. I don't we catch up here. on new movies. Uh my my current vibe for the team is super troopers. As in, they've got Tony and all these little peach don't pay attention to. And there's the famous scene when they're at the shooting range. He's like, What about that little guy? He's like, Oh, that little guy? Eh, don't worry about that little guy. And I think that that's what they're setting up for on offense. It's when they sign guys like Tony and they still have Sky more, you're like, hey, what about those other players that you guys are planning on doing something with? You're like, oh, no, 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 no. We got, we got, we got no plans right now. Because I don't think by the end of this year, they're going to just use Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and no one else. I know MBS has had a role and it's certainly grown over the last couple of weeks. But this is about the time coming out of a bye week against weak opponents that Andy's really going to start showing you that they have other players on offense that they like and that they'll use in unique and different ways. So for me, the vibe right now, especially coming off a bye where Andy is always great, always wins, is he's going to show something to the Titans so he can stop losing to them. Because I don't know why, but that team has been a thorn in his side. Except for every year, except for in the AFC title game. The AFC South is a thorn in his side. I think he's going to come out firing this Sunday. I actually love that because I don't know if you guys caught this on Monday Night Football. The Kelsey brothers were on the Manning cast and they were asking Travis sort of just like kind of like a standard weekly game plan when Andy Reid unveils the first 15 and shows him what they're going to do. And he said like every week he's sitting there rubbing his hands together because it's like a movie watching all of this stuff and understanding in the moment, you know, days before the game, how we're going to score on them when we see the red zone packages and he even referenced Kelsey referenced, you know, in years past critical situations, third down late game. We knew who the ball was going to. We knew who was getting, you know, it was me and Tyreek. And now there is uncertainty on every play. There is uncertainty on every drive and every game. Like go back to the Niners game. McColl scores three touchdowns. You know what we haven't talked about since then? Oh, is this mean McColl's going to see an increased role in the offense? That's not the point. The point isn't that McColl's now a, a budding star and they're going to start using him more. The point is that the Chiefs decided, hey, guess who they're not going to game plan for this week? We're going to give him the ball a bunch. They're not going to be ready for it. And we're going to score. Kadarius Tony might not have 200 yards, but I'll bet you by the end of the season, 
Chiefs are going to employ him in a way where they say, I know they're not scheming for Kadarius Tony. We're going to exploit them for one play, for two plays, for three plays, and having more little pieces. And by the way, I did get the reference. Is a perfect uh, Super Troopers reference. I think that's sort of the name of the game for this Chiefs offense post Tyreek Hill. Kayla, did you get the, the Super Troopers reference? Yeah, I, well, I was going to chime in. I... I don't, I haven't seen super. Is it a movie or a show? Oh it's my a God. Movie. It's uh. a, I get it confused with Reno 911. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I, that's actually fair. <laughs> I'll actually allow that a lie. Reno 911 is the television show, which you should also watch and is ridiculous, but I don't know this late in the game. You should get back into it. <laughs> you actually, if you like, if you, if, instead of watching Reno 911, just start watching. I think you should leave essentially the same ridiculous over the top vibes. But for 2022. So, you know, problem solved. Yeah. Like when I watch Super Troopers now, it's sort of like nostalgic. I remember the things I used to laugh at with my buddies when we were 15 years old. If I were going in fresh for the first time at age 31, <laughs> I'm not sure I would be keeled over laughing the entire time. Should so I add it to my list? Am I missing uh, out? I would just let that one slide. If it happens to be on like FX one Sunday morning when you're no, don't watch that on FX. You need you need the cur you need the cursing and <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> you can't. You're gonna have to like seek it out. There's just no way you can watch a movie like that on network television. <laughs> well, I did not get your reference, but great analogy nonetheless. <laughs> the rest of my point made sense. That's what matters here. Okay, I'm sure the audience will agree. All right, we are going to go back to our guy Kadarius Tony, guys. Versus Sky Moore the rest of the way. Who has the bigger role on this Chiefs offense? Tony. <laughs> Sky Moore has six catches. I'm not, I, you know, I think it's easy to like be here and be, just bury the guy and be like, no hope, no chance. He's a bust. And I'm, I'm not there. That's not what I think. I just think he's in a very super crowded receiving situation. Like he's having to get behind. Like before, if you wanted to break through the Chiefs, yeah, you were always going to get the third most, but there were the third most, and all you had to do was beat out Demarcus Robinson or a hurt Sammy Watkins. Wasn't that hard, right? To just move on to the next thing. Wasn't crazy. But now, because the way that it's set up, you have to get past MVS, McColl, who clearly have roles, Juju and Kelsey, who have even bigger roles, and then you have to decide you're the fifth guy. And the fifth guy is not going to see very much because that guy's also the running back, so now you're sixth. So here it is. Tony, I think they can more clearly define something. And the reason why I think he'll have a bigger impact on their Super Bowl chances is I think by two weeks from now, he's their kick and punt returner, which just gives him a better chance to impact the game. Ooh. So if I didn't let you cop out and say special teams, I think they're a wash. Yeah, I think they're a wash. I think they're more likely to use Tony in the creative ways they use McColl because if they were going to use Sky more that way, they'd already be doing it. Yeah, that's the problem with Sky Moore is, is six catches, but it's not just that. Like we can go with the raw numbers or we can just go off. How often are you even on the field? He, he's not just a fourth wide receiver. That's an easy way of looking at it, right? He's behind Juju. He's behind MBS. He's behind McColl. But he's also getting out snapped by Noah Gray. He's getting out snapped by Jody Fortson, right? But the Chiefs employ so many different looks. Again, it goes back to like part of why they've been so successful this year is they're showing you everything. But even then, we're not seeing Sky get on the field. They would rather use Jody Fortson as this big physical target. Noah Gray's playing a ton. So I just, 
I'm skeptical that between now and the end of the season that, that we're going to see Sky's role change all that much. Not because I don't believe in Sky, only because we haven't even seen the glimpse. We haven't even seen the gradual progression that you kind of like to see where maybe he's not being used early, but you start to see him get rolled out more and more. The, the one thing on that, Nick, is statistically, someone ran the analytics on this. Andy Reid's rookie wide receivers. We talked about this and not playing him. Uh, after the bye week is when they play more. They always get a jump. Every single rookie wide receiver under Andy Reid sees a jump after the bye week. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes greater than others. Sometimes bigger jump than some of them are Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin and through the roof numbers, but they all see a jump. More yards, more catches, more targets. Okay, that's fair. But now you've got another guy in yeah. Tony who, for all intents and purposes, is a rookie. Right, right. He's a second year player, but he just joined your team. Other than the fact that Sky Moore has been here all year, he doesn't necessarily he doesn't really have any other advantage over Tony at this point. Like Tony, like if you look at some of the reports, I know there was a guy who was a Giants beat writer who said that one of the things that he heard when talking to people around the organization was that everybody liked Kadarius Tony. Coaches like him. They, they, they liked the way he practiced. They thought he was really good around the team. It was that they didn't trust him to put in the work when he wasn't with the team. Oh, and I'll tell you right now. And I think anybody could attest to this. If you don't have that self-starter personality, if you're not self-motivated, what, what profession will you succeed in? Right? So if it doesn't matter how talented you are, it doesn't matter how the Chiefs try to use you. If you're not willing to put in the extra work to get better, you're not going to make it in the NFL. It's too competitive. And there's so many guys on this team who you're already going to have to try and fight to get ahead of. What I do like about Tony and going back to Florida and going back to even the, the, the flashes that he showed in New York is he is really, really shifty with the ball in his hands. Get him the ball in open space and let him make a guy miss, let some blockers get upfield. You know who likes to run a lot of screenplays, guys? Here's a trivia question for you. What what play caller, what head coach loves calling screenplays? Andy Reid. Hey, you got it. Bonus. <gasps> Backup question for you, Kayla. Let's see if you can go two for two. Oh, no. uh, which player or which coach in the NFL has more on average yards of separation for their wide receivers than any other over the last four years? Andy Reid. That's correct. Correct. Oh, All right. Two in a row. We're on fire. That sounds like a good combination, by the Did, way, for Tony. I, I don't think we're going to see Kadarius Tony out there playing 25% of snaps each week, but I think he eats into to Sky more snaps. And so if you're telling me that they're going to play about even snaps the rest of the way, I've seen more from Kadarius Tony last year than I've seen from Sky Moore so far this year. Maybe that's not a fair comparison, but he's at least shown you flashes that he can be a, a really productive player. Uh, question unrelated, but related. Is there a reason that we don't see more from Justin Watson? Um, well, we're going to see even less now. I mean, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I guess I made a bet with my co-host in Kansas City that he was going to have less than 200 yards receiving. So I guess you're I on, never on track. saw it. Um, I never really saw it. He's fine. He's a perfectly fine guy to have on your roster. And if somebody gets hurt and he's got to play for a snap, like on that touchdown he got, when he ran McCool Hardman's right, then cool. You don't want Justin Watson starting every day. Come on. You can definitely do better than that. That's mostly what it comes down to. He's a perfectly fine roster filler and a guy that you like having on the roster because 
He's Scotty Miller, right? In the times when Brady was having guys go down in Tampa. Glad you have him around. Glad you have him for a couple of weeks. Not trying to rely on him all the time. Copy that. I just thought we'd see him more over Sky Moore is all. I mean, it's hard to play less than Sky Moore. He has six catches. <laughs> That's yeah, true. It just kind of goes back to if you're not in the top three of the Chiefs wide receiver pecking order, you're not going to play that much. Because I don't think, no matter, I mean, aside from acquiring Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think they're going to all of a sudden stop putting two tight ends on the field. They, they like, they're doing that more this year than they've ever done before. I think they like using Noah Gray. I think they like getting these big bodied tight ends out there and forcing the defense to sort of make a choice. Are you going to put a safety on them? Are you going to put a linebacker on them? I think they like sort of leveraging those sorts of decisions against defensive coordinators. So, I mean, it, it's tough for any Chiefs wide receiver unless your name is Juju, MBS, or McColl. Guys, last but not least today, what is the biggest thing to watch coming out of the bye? I think it's Trent McDuffie. Got activated yesterday. So he's, and look, that's part of the reason they trade Fenton, right? They know McDuffie's healthy. He's back on the active roster. They clear the roster spot by getting rid of Fenton. But it's Trent McDuffie. He is one of two players that you can count on taking a big leap from what they were getting on defense. Harloftis is one competing against himself and McDuffie is the other. It's not, they obviously trust Williams. Otherwise they wouldn't have traded Rashad Fenton. They obviously trust Watson or they wouldn't have traded away all the other veterans uh, or gotten rid of the veterans in training camp. But this means a lot. They really do believe in Trent McDuffie. The chiefs do clearly do. He played a half and they're willing to let go of their most or no, their most experienced corner. In Fenton. So to me, that's the key. The thing I want to watch the most is how good can Trent McDuffie get all the way down? I'm still convinced that by week 18, when we're done and we're wrapping up the Chiefs, we're getting ready to talk about their postseason run, that we'll be talking about Trent McDuffie being the Chiefs' best cornerback. And that's what I'm looking forward to watching the most. I'm going with my guy, Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know how. Yeah. He'll be like, I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden be, uh, you know, 17 carry 100 yard guy. That's just not how this Chiefs offense is going to operate. But I mean, historically, you just go back, not just with the Chiefs, but with any team. Rookie running backs a lot of times take take a little time to get going. And more than that, it's it's rookie running backs take a little bit longer time for coaches to trust them. Typically, a rook, a, a running back will play about 50% more snaps in the second half of the season than they will in the first half of the season. And in a running back room that isn't necessarily full of star talent, and clearly Pacheco has already established himself as a guy who has a role, we're seeing it increase a little bit more, at least we saw it increase a little bit more in the San Francisco game. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever to see him continue to steal snaps from Clyde. I think, you know, Jarek's always going to have his role. He's the third down back. They trust him in there to pass block. That's the most important aspect of this team. So he's going to continue to play. But in terms of simply getting carries out of the backfield, it would not shock me whatsoever if Pacheco leads the team in rushing attempts the rest of the season. I like that answer. Who is yours? Do you have one for us? I'm going with a layup here. Kadarius Tony, 
I'm curious to see how he'll be used, if he'll be used right off the bat, how many snaps he'll be in for, how he's going to connect with Mahomes, what he's going to look like. Um, there's just obviously a lot of question marks around that. I've always, you know, as we know, I've had my eye on our wide receivers all season long. So I'm curious to see how he's going to fit in this offense. And I hope he'll make some big plays. Um, we'll see TBD, but yes. obviously that's a big question mark heading into this game. Whenever you talk about the wide receivers, it honestly, it is wild to me that the chiefs traded away a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is playing just as good, if not better than ever. And that same wide receiver, he'd be like, well, then he must really be missing. Patrick is on pace for 2000 yards receiving, which would break an NFL record. I'm like, how did you both get better without each other? There's no good logical reason that those two things should happen. And in a weird way, although he was wrong about the reasoning behind it, Tyreek was right. The Chiefs were somehow suppressing his stats. He showed up with another team and has been catching balls from Skylar Thompson and Tua and God, who was the other one? Was it? Uh, who was Teddy, Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. And he's on pace for 2000 yards. Wait. And it's not even like they stopped giving it to Jalen Waddle. He's the third highest receiving yardage in the NFL. So I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Is it? How are they both better? Too much star power has to be separated. Like, yeah, what is that? I know, but there's another wide receiver eating up targets in Miami. So, like, he still has, like, a Kelsey-ish type. I, I don't know, man. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because, again, both teams are really happy. Chiefs are happy with the trade because their offense is just as good. And the Dolphins got exactly what they wanted or more, maybe because they currently have a 2000 yard receiver on their hands. So I don't I don't know. It's one of those like I know we're supposed to have definitive answer in sports radio. It doesn't make sense. I don't have a good answer because it shouldn't happen this way. You know, this isn't a complete answer, but. I think sometimes and this is hopefully this doesn't get too deep. I think sometimes you just like you need to even if something is really, really great, like you have to evolve. You have to constantly be changing and adapting, not because it wasn't working, but because you know that like you need to find the next version of yourself to continue to thrive in the way that you want to. I think this applies more to the Chiefs than it does Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek is talking about dating, Kayla. It might be as much. I was like, is this relationships or is it? Yeah, it applies to every walk of life, love, football. Now, with Tyreek, I think it's just that uh, Mike McDaniel is, is a really, really, really good offensive coordinator, and Tua is a lot better than we gave him credit for. I think that's all there really is to it. But for the Chiefs' offense, like I think the the evolution of having less star power but having more weapons at your disposal both forced Andy Reid to get more creative and Patrick Mahomes to get out of his comfort zone a little bit, which has been a great thing for both of them. There's a quote that I love. Everything you want in the world is right outside your comfort zone. Wow. Also, in my answer, I was not trying to say the T word, and you guys did. So let the record show. I did we not bring should, up Tyreek. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the T word was. Maybe we can start releasing motivational bumper stickers. <laughs> our, our no, like the little etched wooden plaques that like my oh. mom would hang in her den or something. Chotskys? Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's always game day in Kansas City, Chotskys. Coming your way soon. <laughs> Great. There's an idea. We need merch. We do. Well, we now do we need merch. Start with. Love we it. To start with <laughs> just <laughs> quotes that are attributed to someone else and Nick's big, deep love advice. That's right. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us today on this Wednesday. Thank you guys for listening to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. As always, don't forget to don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram, and we will be back with you all on Friday. Thank you.